to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6. And once you turn to Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6, and I'm going to give you just a second to look that up. And once you turn to Isaiah, once you look up Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6, please stand to honor the reading of his word for just a second. And it says in Isaiah 44, verse 6, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. God bless and honor the reading of his word, and you may be seated. I got a very strange question for all of you today. What is an ism? I-S-M. What is an ism? Oh, there's a lot of strange things to be said about that. And this is not a normal type of sermon, honestly. What is an ism or isms? Well, in the uh, dictionary, I had to look up some of this and make sure I'm getting it just right. An ism is a distinctive doctrine, cause, or theory. An, op an oppressive and especially discriminatory attitude or belief. That's what an ism is. So I had to look up all these different isms throughout history, different isms, and there's isms all over the place. This ism and that ism, and there's different types of isms. One of them is an act or pra practice or process such as criticism or plagiarism. You've heard of that. You've heard of criticism. You've heard of plagiarism. We've all been criticized. I'm sure we've all had credit, crit uh, criticism that doesn't always feel too good. Sometimes criticism can be good, though. Plagiarism, that's not good. Or nowadays, there's a lot of people who have narcissism. I'm sure you've heard of that. I've had that in my life, all right? Then there's different kinds of uh, personality people have, like magnetism. Now, I'm sure when you look at me here, you can see my magnetism all over the place. I'm, of course, joking. But then there is, of course, a uh, prejudice or discrimination on the basis of attributes such as racism. Racism is not good. Sexism, people who have uh, discriminative ways, just because the way someone is, or classism. People look at a class of people. That's not good either. Any kind of discrimination is wrong, but that's what some people have. Another type of ism is an, an abnormal state of, or condition, and a result of an access, in, in other words, having too much of something, such as alcoholism. I'm sure we've all heard of alcoholism. And there's all sorts of addictions that cause isms, but they don't call it isms for some reason. I don't know why. But they don't call it isms. In fact, I would say that they misspeak. Instead of putting ism on the end of it, uh, they, for some reason, misspeak and put the word alcohol and just change that around. When in reality, they should put ism on the end of it. They don't. They instead of calling themselves like uh, I am a chocolate, I have chocolateism, or I have sweetism, like a sweet tooth. Instead, the way they what they call it, you know what they call it. I'm a I'm a chocolateaholic. Well, that doesn't make any sense because you've taken the word alcohol and you just change that around and have a chocolateaholic. Well, that doesn't make any sense at all. That doesn't make any sense at all or, or whatever. There's all sorts. You know what I'm talking about. You've heard it. I'm sure you've heard it. So that makes no sense. But that's what they do. In reality, what you should say is I have chocolateism. <laughs> In reality, if we're going to be uh, honest about it, you have chocolateism. By the way, I've had chocolateism. I sweet toothism. I mean, look at me. But anyway, that's what that is. And then... There is also another ism, 
marked by a resemblance of such a person or a thing, such as, I'm sure you've heard of it, dwarfism or giantism or those types of isms. We've heard of that before. Uh, then there is a, a doctrine or theory or religion such as Buddhism or Catholicism or Judaism and other types of things. And then there's many other types of uh, words such as organism, which is an individual, uh, different types of individual, like an individual, an animal, plant, or a single-celled life or form. You've heard of uh, organism. But there's many, many other types of isms. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. I'm not going to go through every kind of ism today. I'm not. But the title of today's sermon is Blueism. And you might think, I've never heard of a blueism. Well, believe it or not, there's a band called that. I don't know why. I didn't know that when I titled this sermon. And I'm certainly not preaching about a band. Uh, but blueism. What is a blueism? Well, don't worry. We're going to get there in time. But we're going to talk about different isms today. Bless you, sir. We're going to talk about different isms today. The first that we're going to talk about is theism. What is a theism? Well, you may have heard of theism before. The word theism means belief in the existence of God or gods. That was the original meaning of the word theism. But that's not the word that most people hear when they hear the phrase theism. What you usually hear is atheism. You've heard the word atheism. You probably hear it each and every day, if not close. It's all over society. It's all over television. It's all over movies. It's all over the Internet. Atheism, at least the attitude of it. Atheism is a lack of belief or strong disbelief in the existence of God or any gods. There is a whole personal, personal disbelief, and people have a hatred towards the Lord God, even if they don't believe that they believe in him, yet somehow their attitude shows it. And then there is agnosticism. Agnosticism is a person who holds the view that any, that any ultimate reality, or God, is unknown and probably unknowable, so is uncommitted. In other words, they don't see that there is no God or can be no God, so they're just undecided. Basically, they're sitting in the middle. I'm not saying there isn't a God, I'm not saying there is a God, so I'm, I'm just going to stay somewhere in the middle. And then there is monotheism. Now, what is a monotheism? You. You are monotheism. I'm a monotheism. I'm glad to be a monotheism. So what does it mean, Pastor? Quit just telling me I'm a monotheist and tell me what it means. A monotheism is the doctrine belief that there is but one God viewed, viewed as the creative source of the human race and the world who transcends yet is imminent uh, in the world. So we are monotheists. You are part of the monotheism in the world. Thank God. And I got some wonderful scriptures as I try to do every week. So let me give you a couple of scriptures before I go on through more theisms or more, excuse me, more isms. I got a lot of isms today. And, uh, but let me go through this here. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. I got a couple of Deuteronomies. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 435. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 35. And what does it say? Well, let me tell you, it says to you, it was shown, this is the Lord speaking, to you, it was shown so that you might know that the Lord, he is God. There is no one else besides him. One God, monotheism, monotheism. Deuteronomy 6, 4, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says to us, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is what? The Lord is 
one. Mono, one. Mono, one. Monotheism. Aha, I like it. I like it. And then even Jesus, who is God himself, he was here in the flesh. What did Jesus have to say about this? Oh, I like this. I like this a lot. Mark chapter 12, verse 29, Jesus answered in Mark chapter 12, verse 29. I know I get excited, and I know I get to speaking quick, but I'm going to slow down just so you can catch up. You don't have to turn to it. Just write it down. You can get to it later. Jesus answered in Mark 12, 29. The most important is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's quoting Deuteronomy 6, 4. It's almost as if the Lord knew his word. Because he did. He's the living word, isn't he? Amen. Back to isms. I'm going to talk about a couple isms that we hear about all the time on the news. You hear about all sorts of isms. And I'm going to go to the original meaning of the isms. Not so much what they are now. But the original ism, let's talk about them. Liberalism. Liberalism. This is not about po political stuff, but we're, i got to mention them anyway. Liberalism means, or did mean, the willingness to respect or accept behavior or opinions the willingness to respect or accept behavior or opinions different from one's own openness to new ideas boy it doesn't mean that now but it did once I'll say it again the willingness to respect or accept behavior behavior or opinions different from one's own opinions. Openness to new ideas. That's what it used to mean to be a liberal. To listen to new ideas. To be open to new ideas. It doesn't mean that anymore. We'll get to that in a little bit. The second meaning to liberalism, as it used to be, a political and social philosophy that promotes individual rights, civil liberties, democracy, and free enterprise. That's what it used to mean to be a Democrat, to be a liberalism. So you mean and conservatism, and it doesn't necessarily mean now what it used to either. Conservatism, commitment to traditional values and ideas, with opposition to change or innovation. That used to be what it meant to, to conserve. The second one, the holding of political views that favor free enterprise, private ownership, and socially traditional ideas. You know what's amazing about it? Those two isms were not that different. Back in the day, if you were a Democrat and you were a Republican, you could be good friends. You just had a different look upon things. You could agree with everything except how to go about it. One would want to listen to change and one didn't. That was it. That's not the way it is now, but we'll get to that in a minute. But both believed in a, the country being built on capitalism. That's the next ism, capitalism. And that's, this is what capitalism meant an economic and political system in which a country's trade and industry are controlled by private ownership, excuse me, by private owners for profit. That's what that is, man. capitalism. You have what you have because of capitalism. Oh, I know we're not rich. I know, I know we're not rich, but you know what? We have what we have because of capitalism. I'm moving on to other isms. We'll get back to that other stuff here in a minute. Other, other isms, idealism. The practice or forming of per, or pursuing ideals, especially unrealistically. Oh, sometimes we have ideals, and that's good. Sometimes our ideals aren't realistic. Sometimes people have ideals that are stupid. 
But idealism can be good. And it's good to have to be thankful and wonderful, especially if they're, they're uh, upon the Lord's hopes and dreams. But sometimes idealism can be bad. But then there's absolutism. And that almost sounds good. Isn't it funny how they give names to things that aren't good, but they sound good? But what is absolutism? Well, I didn't know. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know the complete definition of absolutism until I started studying on it. Political doctrine and practice of unlimited authority and absolute sovereignty as vested especially in a monarch or dictator. A dictator, someone taken over, you give them absolute authority. That's absolutism. That's not good. And of course, we all know the phrase racism. We hear it all the time. They won't let us forget. What is racism? Well, we know what racism is. Prejudice, discrimination, uh, antagonism by an individual against a race of people. It's wrong to be racist. God made everyone of the human race. We should love everybody. Doesn't matter the, the tone of your skin. Doesn't matter where you're from. You shouldn't be prejudiced against anyone. But this phrase does get overplayed, especially in politics nowadays. Everyone of any race should be equal. Shouldn't matter what you look like. Shouldn't matter where you're from. God loves you so much that he came and died for you and lived for you. Shouldn't matter what you look like. And other human beings shouldn't be able to judge you by that. Shouldn't. God loves you. I love you too. And then there's sexism. We hear about that all the time. That means being prejudiced or stereotyping or discriminating. And typically they mean against a woman because at one time, unfortunately, there are people who did. But really, it's, it's wrong to do it against anyone. Uh, and this also gets overplayed and played incorrectly to give power to women over men. But unfortunately, this has been misused by the devil to bring confusion and destruct. Remember, God is not the master of confusion. In reality, God has given power to women and men, and everybody's different, but God has not wanted confusion to come across the land. This has been brought, has brought destruction to family and to God's plan. So whose plan is this to ruin these things? Satan's plan to ruin what God has brought together that Satan wants to destroy. Especially now, because people don't even know what a woman is. <laughs> they do that. So which brings us to the strangest ism you're ever going to hear about, and that is transgenderism. <laughs> this is another ism. But I'm not even bringing up all this stuff. We're not talking about politics here. Not really, even though we ha I have no choice but to bring some of this up. I have no choice. I've got no choice. Unfortunately in life, you have to talk about things, especially as a pastor. You have to talk about things you don't want to talk about. You just have to. Sometimes you have to talk about politics. Sometimes you have to talk about uncomfortable situations. Sometimes you have no choice but to talk about the things you don't want to talk about. You have to talk about sin. You have to talk about uncomfortable situations in order to take care of them. It's just the way it is. So why was all this brought up to bring in a couple of isms that are sneaking their way into the country and into churches and into families, into schools and many other things? The other isms are socialism. Socialism is the next ism. And there's two other isms. They're all the same ism with a different name. Socialism. What is socialism? A political and economic theory of social organization which advocates that the means of production and distribution and exchange should be owned or regulated by the community as a whole. And this sounds all good and sweet. You see what people do? They put a spice of sugar on it to make it sound like a sweet little treat. But at first, it sounds good, but it's misleading. 
Let's finish leading. It sounds like everybody's equal, but they're not. It's the opposite of conservatism. It's a Marxist theory. What's well, Marxist theory? We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, it's a transitional social state between the overthrow of capitalism. That's what it is. And in, it, in the realization of communism. So now we're going to communism, the next ism. Let's talk about communism. A political theory derived by Karl Marx. Oh, see, it's all come together. By Karl Marx. Karl is spelled with a K, by the way. And Marx is M-A-R-X. Who's Karl Marx? Well, we'll talk about him. But it's a derived by Karl Marx advocating class war. In other words, some classes are better than others. The more powerful survive. And leading to a society in which all property is publicly owned and each person's works and is, and is paid according to their abilities and needs. Forget those who don't have abilities because of their, their physical problems. The most powerful wins. So next, now we're on to Marxism. This is the last of those isms. Marxism, the political and economic theories of Karl Marx and Frederick Engels, their pals, later developed by their followers to form the basis for the theory and practice of communism. Socialism, communism, Marxism, which is nowadays liberalism. It's taking over. It's taking over. But before I go there, let's now talk about Karl Marx. Karl Marx, what a jerk. Karl Marx was a German-born philosopher. He was an economist, a political theorist, a historian, sociologist, uh, I'll get this right again in a minute, a sociologist, a journalist, a revolutionary socialist. What do we need to know about this man who's given these theories? What's so wrong about having a different type of society? Well, let me explain that he's the basis, the groundwork of all these things. The groundwork of all these things, he hated God. He didn't just not believe, he hated God with all his heart and soul. This is not usually how I would start a sermon. Normally, I would go straight into the beliefs of the Lord God. But first, I have to build this up, just like he was building up his society by his hatred of the Lord God. He hated God. He was thought by many to be demon-possessed, and he probably was. He was probably completely demon-possessed. Uh, this was once said of him by a friend, by the way, by a friend, said that he had the devil's view of things. Can you imagine that? He had the devil's view of things, they believed. He despised religion, despised religion. He hated Christianity, completely hated Christians, and he was anti-God. He was anti-God. Anti-Christ, anyone? He anti-God. These are some things that he said. I wanted to give you a couple of things he said so you can understand his theories were completely abolished. And by abolished, I mean abolishing the Lord God and God's thoughts. These are things he said. He said, religion is the impotence of the human mind to deal with the occurrences it cannot understand. In other words, he's saying you're a complete idiot. He's saying you're a fool. He also said many, many other horrible things. There's no way I could tell you all the things that I wouldn't. But he said he said so many horrible things. But he said this. This is one of the last things he said. How pointless and empty is life. Boy, he's cheery, isn't he? He should have written for Hallmark. <laughs> but the last thing he said, this was recorded. The very last thing that Karl Marx said, and this is sad, because I don't want anyone to go to hell. 
No. The last thing he said was this. Go on, get out. Last words are for fools who haven't said enough. And you already know what the Bible says. There's a fool who says there is no God. Sadly, he died on March the 14th, 1883. He was the basis of socialism, of communism, of Marxism. And socialism and Christianity cannot coexist. They cannot. They cannot. They cannot coexist. And yet, in the last 10 years, especially in the last five years, liberalism has transformed. The meaning has transformed. Which is why you can see, politically speaking, so many people on that side do not agree anymore. And that's why so many conservatives don't agree either. Because both sides are not agreeing with one another. I'm talking about within their own parties. Do not agree because so many of them are going towards socialism and it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing in our country. This country was founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we have to stand. We have to stand strong. Supporting God and his word. Not supporting public parties. I'm not telling you not to vote. And by the way, you do need to vote. Vote for the one or ones or whatever that is supporting closer to the word, not further from. I'm not telling you to vote for it. I never would do that. That's not my place. I'm telling you to follow God and he through the Holy Spirit will show you who to vote for. But I do want you to know this. In the last five years, liberalism has transformed. Education has transformed. Entertainment has transformed. Even many, 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 many churches have been being transformed. Morphing our brains into socialism. This is why you need to know the word, know the Lord, have a close personal relationship, recognize the lies of the Antichrists and his folks, the devil's people as they come in. So I have scriptures for you to help you. And here they are. First Timothy 5.18. First Timothy 5.18, and really it's the last part that shoots, shoots uh, socialism right in the foot. I like this. First Timothy 5.18. First Timothy 5.18 says this. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox and that treads out the grain. And, listen to this, and the laborer, is worthy of his reward. You work, you receive. For you who work so hard. Now, unfortunately, I can't physically work like I once did. God has blessed me, but I'm taken care of. Even with all the disabilities I have, God has prepared, helped me, and I can still preach too. Praise God for that. I still work, just on a different level. But I still work constantly. And for you who go out there and do physical jobs, our mental job, whatever you do. I'm so very grateful to you to do what you can do. Never think that what you do is not good enough or important enough or useful to God, because it is. On one level or another, it's used to help people, and your labor is worthy of your reward, whatever it might be. God uses you to reach others. I'm so incredibly proud of you. I just can never tell you just how proud of you I am. And so is God, which is far more important than what I think. Far more important. What does Proverbs chapter 13 say? Well, let's see. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4, what says this? 
The soul of the sluggard desires and has nothing. Oh, but, but the soul of the diligent will be made fat. Well, I'm diligent, I guess. I guess I'm diligent. The soul of the sluggard desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent will be made fat. In other words, you're going to be healthy. You're not going to starve. So think of that next time you think, oh, man, I have too much. But at least God's taking care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. God's with you. He's taking care of you. I like Psalm. That's Proverbs 13, 4. Psalm 118, verse 8. I love this. Don't worry about those political people. Worry about the Lord God. He's the same God of their world as yours. Now, maybe they're following a different God. I don't know. I don't know where they stand. But I like this. Psalm 118, verse 8. It is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in man. Amen? Amen. Be confident that God has saved you and is leading you. Just be led by him. Psalm 146, verse 3. Psalm 146, verse 3. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man. I'm not, not talking about the son of man, Jesus. The, in a son of man. I'll, I'll start again. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man, of man, in whom there is no help. I used to take advice from just about everybody. Don't do that. Don't tell everybody everything. I've made that mistake before. And don't take advice from everybody. By golly, I've had people who were huge. And this is when I was losing a lot of weight. And this one individual in particular wasn't trying to lose weight at all. In fact, was trying to get me to gain weight and wasn't working out or anything. And this individual, I know how to lose weight, but you're not. Why would I take advice from somebody who was gaining weight when I'm losing weight? That's stupid. Why would you go to somebody who isn't going to church, who isn't learning from the Lord God, who doesn't want to have anything to do with God? Why would you take advice from them? Go to the Lord God himself. Go to his word. Study, but don't listen to the world. Don't listen to them. Oh, you're going to like this. I say this all the time, Luke 6, 31. We need to do what God has told us to do. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Don't treat them the way they're treating you. Live the way God wants you to live. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 24. 1 Corinthians 10, 24. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Treat people well. Treat them right. That's the exact opposite of what they were teaching, Karl Marx thought. He thought that we should be treated well as long as we're doing well in that society. But basically, they were thinking of their selves first. And one last one, I mean, I have, I have a lot of things, but I won't go through them all. But the Ephesians 4.28, Ephesians 4.28. Let him who steals, steal no more. Instead, let him labor, working with his hands, things which are good, that he may have something to share with him who is in need. We need to work hard. Three years ago, there was a poll. This is going to make you sick. There was a poll three years ago, and the millennials in this poll by the way, it was only 47%, but not quite half. But still, 47% of the millennials looked favorably upon socialism. 
And 49% of Generation Z, which is just right underneath millennials, 49% look favorably upon socialism. And this is horrible. I've even known a Christian or two who thought, eh, it's not so bad. What's wrong with that? But that probably has to do with the fact that they didn't know the truth behind it. They probably just thought it was uh, everybody being equal with one another. They probably did not realize the truth behind the whole ordeal. But here's the truth. Socialism has never worked, no matter what. It's never worked out. It's always led to dictatorship every single time. It's never worked out. And according to many, many preachers, including Dr. David Jeremiah and many others before him, this is going to be what leads us to the Antichrist. It's more often than not leads to dictators, and it will, and it will lead to the Antichrist. There's no doubt about it. That's probably what's going to happen, and probably even in this country, but we don't need to be of no hope. We have hope, and we'll get to that in a moment. Here's a wonderful verse, which you need to remember. And this comes to the people who believe socialism is going to be okay, who believe there's nothing wrong with going through all these isms, with all these isms. And that's Proverbs 14, 12. Proverbs 14, 12. And it says in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to, to a man, but its end is the way of death. Because anytime you start off in life, and this goes with anything, anytime you start off in a way of life, that is anti-God. And away from God's way, it will always lead to destruction one way or another. It happens in our habits. It happens in all these things. So this is blueism. And what is blueism? Is this because of a political color? Yeah, perhaps. But not really. Not necessarily. Blueism means the fact mostly depression and oppression. Many feel that way when they look around and they see generations changing and our country's feelings and our country's thoughts and ways and throughout the schools and the families and everything else coming down. You probably have wondered, especially since this whole thing that happened with, during the time of the uh, COVID and all that, you've seen the change. You've seen what's happened. You've seen people taking over. You've seen things happening in the streets. You've seen all these people attacking in different capitals. You've seen it all happen. What's happened in our society? Well, you've seen. Slow but sure, we've seen the whole attitude. We've seen isms taken over. And that's brought an ism to you at times. Blueism. Depression. But no need to let blueism take over your life. Depression. Because you're not alone. This confusion and oppression and depression and blueism has taken over a lot of people. There's no need for that because these people have, have no hope. But you do because they are missing the most important ism of all. Realism. Realism. Reality. Reality needs to set in. You're not alone. First of all, you have your brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all still here together. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in the end that these people have different beliefs than you. We all have one creator, one creator who loves us all. And all those people don't want bad on them. They don't understand because they've been blinded. We need to pray for them. That's all. But here's the verse that you're going to love. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. You're going to love it. 
And it says as Peter the other apostles and the other apostles answered, "We must obey God rather than men." So when you're surrounded by people whether you agree with them or not, rather remember you got to love them. It doesn't matter if you agree with the people on TV. It doesn't matter if you agree with people on the internet, with your family, you got to love them. And you're worshiping God, not the other men, people on earth. No, you get to love them. Don't let blueism take over your life. Why? Aren't there, are there any Bible-isms? Well, sure. Let's go back to the main important one. Monotheism. One God. One God. One Son. One way. One hope. One hope. Christianity is not an ism, by the way. Christianity is not an ism. It is not an ideology. It is not a, pre, a procedure. It is not a construct. Now, there are isms built on top of it. There are things that we do, constructs that we use. But I'm going to quote Billy Graham, and this is happened to come up on my calendar, my Billy Graham calendar. This happened to come up for this month. But this is a statement as saying that he said, and I thought it was brilliant and perfect for this sermon, and it says this. Billy Graham once said, The secret strength of a nation is found in the faith that abides in the hearts and homes of the country. I'll say that again. The secret strength of a nation is found in the faith that abides in the hearts and homes of the country. Because without Jesus Christ, what do we see? Barbarism. Bar excuse me, barbarianism is what we see. We see people who try to go into materialism to build them up, and that doesn't work. We see people that go into all these other things. But what about the Bibleisms that I was talking about? Are there any actions that show our faith? Well, sure. When you got saved, what did you do? You came forward like we did. Have, we had a brother came forward just a couple of weeks ago. And what did he do? He had baptism. He had a baptism to show his strength. Uh, in the Bible, we saw that people were, were demon possessed. And what did we see? An exorcism. Now, in reality, that just means they had a demon cast out of them. But the most important thing that we needed to need to remember that the agenda of Marxism uh, were the thoughts, the thoughts they protested to destroy the construction, to erase the past. This is what we have going on nowadays. Does it sound familiar to you? Maybe it does. Maybe it does. The whole idea of the Marxism was to protest, to destroy construction, to erase the past, to rewrite history, to have new definitions. New truths, quote unquote, bring an end to law and order through Satan's brainwashing to forget the truth, the truth of God and his word. That's what they wanted then to live in death and not in everlasting life. That's what it was all about. That's what it was all about. But you don't have to do that, folks, because you have a wonderful hope. Your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus love and righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because. As I said before, and it is true, Christianity is not an ism. Christianity is a personal relationship with Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the Christ, the Messiah. You don't have to worry about what other people think because you don't have to answer to other people. You don't have to answer to the Democrats. You don't have to answer to Republicans. You don't have to answer to people who sit in the middle. You don't have to answer to donkeys. You don't have to answer to elephants. You don't have to answer to rhinos. You don't have to answer to any animal. You, all you have to answer to is the Lord and Savior, the Lamb, who came and died for you and wants to live in you. That's the only one. And he washed you white as snow. Amen? Amen. 
Jesus is our hope. We need to let others see Jesus in you. I guess you could call this the redism because we're talking about the blood of Jesus Christ so that he can wash his white as snow. Which is the whiteism of the whole ordeal? What does it say in Romans 8, 24 through 25? In Romans 8, 24 through 25, Romans 8, 24 through 25 says this, for we are saved through hope. But hope that is not seen is not hope. For why does a man still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Our hope is not the things around us. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you see, we know he's there. We can see it in our lives. He's with us. But not the things around us in this world, but the creator of the world. 1 Peter 1.3. 1 Peter 1.3. 1 Peter 1.3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You have a living hope in you. You have a living hope. Oh, we see people looking around, looking for something oh, all year long. They're looking for something. They look for it in politics. They look for it in money. They look for it in films. They look for it in all sorts of enterprises. They look for it in relationships. They look for it in families. They look for it in land. They look for it in all these things. But our hope is found in Jesus because he is the only way into everlasting life. Hallelujah. Remember what it says in Romans chapter 12. Verses 12 and 13. This is why you can walk away from here today feeling joy, knowing you're okay. You don't have to be blue and sad. You don't have to have a blue Christmas as Elvis did. <laughs> oh, I love that song. Even the way he sings it in that goofy way. I like it, though. I really do. Because of what it says in Romans 12, 12 through 13. No matter what you go through, no matter what pain you go through, no matter what depressing stuff you may hear this week, you can remember this. It says in Romans 12, 12 through 13, Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. That's your brothers and sisters of Christ. Contribute to the needs of your brothers and sisters around you. Because they're with you. They're right here with you. Contribute to that. And practice hospitality. Help each other. Be there for one another. Like they're there for you. And while you're doing that, remember, Christ is with you. Love them. And by the way, this is not the kind of sermon I really enjoy doing. I'll be honest with you. I don't. I don't enjoy talking about isms. I want to be happy and full of joy. Next week I'll be talking about that. Joy and things like that. But the beautiful thing about that, the blue isms and all that, is you get to end it in joy. Because we might have blueness in this world. But the joy of the Lord is where our life, is where our life is leading. We get to be led by the joy of the Lord. 
So don't be overcome by the blueness of this world. Be overcome when you see the redness of that blood. And it washed you white as snow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm going to end this on a wonderful verse. A wonderful verse that brought the greatness, the greatest joy to the world. Greatest joy to the world. Isaiah chapter 9, 6 through 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and to establish it with justice and with righteousness from now until forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And he has. Let the joy of the Lord be with you, no matter what occurs. Show the love of God to all in your life. And you will feel the joy of God, no matter what occurs in your life. Let us bow in prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray you be with us. I pray, Lord God, that you help us in our decisions. That no matter what occurs in our life, no matter what organizations or what isms, as it might be said, come upon our life through our jobs, through the nations that we live, through the families that we are in, through the people that we know and are friends with, through the things that we watch and the things that we do, that you, Lord God, will be the one that we follow. That you, Lord God, will be the one that sets our moods. That you, Lord God, will be the one that sets our direction in our life. Everything that we say, everything that we think, and everything that we do. And I pray, Lord God, that it will spread like wildfire, like spiritual fire. Not because of what we do, but because of what you do through us, dear Holy Spirit, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.